All right, and we are a go. Welcome back to the Chirpin' Yo's podcast, episode 64. I got Matt, I got Chase, uh, Granny's out today, Haynes is out today. Uh, we got a good episode for you guys, probably a pretty quick one here, but uh, Matt, Chase, how are we doing? Doing good. Enjoying the weather finally cooling off. Can actually record outside for the first time in, I don't know, probably two months. Yeah, nice. I second that, man. It's been it's been a wild summer for sure. It, it didn't get crazy hot for a little bit longer than usual, but once it did, man, it was so bad in July. Whew. But yeah, the AC is finally able to take a little bit of a break after working pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the past month and a half. So it's been good, man. But excited to talk a little bit of hockey with you, even though there's not tons of stuff going on in the league or with the team right now. But definitely excited to be here. Let's let's get talking. I think yeah. the next big thing coming up is the uh, prospect tournament in Vegas. Oh, yeah, I think and so. I yeah. think they announced that September 15th to the 19th or the 18th, mm-hmm. somewhere around the middle of September in Vegas, um, two weeks before Misty's due date, so I won't be there, unfortunately. Oh. Hmm. Dang, that's coming up quick. Yeah, it's yeah. coming up quick. Wow, less yep. than a month. October wow. 4th. No, two, wow. months, two months. October oh, two months, 4th. that's right, yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. Jeez. Early. All right. So I guess the first order of business, uh, I didn't put it on the uh, ticker, but uh, we last week, uh, Granny and I got to talk about the Dumba signing. Just wanted to get your quick thoughts, starting with you, Chase. Uh, what do you guys kind of think about this Dumba situation, how much it kind of moves the needle one way or the other? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously happy with the signing. You know, it had been kind of rumored to be happening for us for a little while and i think some other pieces needed to fall into place and stuff like that for it to actually come to fruition um but i like the signing personally um you know right right shot defenseman um i think you'll be solid for us had had a down year last year but um you know i think he's still got some good hockey left in him and worst case scenario or i mean even best case scenario i guess you know it's if you know we're not on the playoff hunt or whatnot he's a good piece if he plays you know up to some decent standards will be a good trade bait at the trade deadline to yield us some more assets back you know for this rebuild that we've been doing but um i like it i think we're gonna be in the hunt this year uh, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. And, you know, this signing kind of puts a nice little bow on, you know, the offseason that GMBA has kind of put together between the draft and, you know, the other signings that have taken place thus far. Um, definitely can tell that we're, you know, starting to go in that more competitive direction. And, uh, you know, this is kind of just like the last addition to it, uh, you know, headed into the year. And I, I'm, I'm excited for it, excited to see him suit up for us. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to mix in well and probably be on that top D pairing. So uh, going to be good stuff. I'll be honest, I, I didn't go back and listen to what Grandy mentioned last week. So I don't know if you already touched on this, but um, I think it's a bigger deal for everybody else on that blue line than it actually is for the coyotes being competitive um they asked jj Mosier and valamaki to play a ton of huge critical minutes 
um, on the power play, on the penalty kill, in final minute of the game situations, in areas where you generally don't ask a young guy to play unless he's a very special player. Um, and I, it can kind of hinder development um, a little bit if if you rush them into situations a little too quickly and they're not overtly successful at it. So I think bringing Dumba in adds another power play quarterback. You've got Sean Dersey. Um, you can kind of let guys like Valamaki and Mosier continue to develop their game at five on five on the penalty kill, um, you know, playing some sheltered minutes. I'm, I'm sure at least one, if not both of them will see power play time still. Uh, the Coyotes have kind of always ran a four forward group on the top unit um, and three on the, the second unit or vice versa. So they'll still get their opportunity, but I, I think it's huge for development of the guys behind him. He's a, he's a pro. He's not, you know, uh, some guy that's bounced around the league, been a journeyman that the Coyotes picked up as at kind of a stopgap. Um, I, I don't, I don't want it to sound bad, but it's kind of like what Troy Stetcher is. Um, they didn't bring in another guy like Stetcher. They brought in a, a legitimate guy who's going to eat 24 minutes a game and provide a ton of offense. If he can get back to who he was two years ago, um, you know, he looked like he was a, a potential, you know, number one, number two defenseman um, for Minnesota. He had the offensive game, he had the defensive game, and for an undersized guy, he hits unbelievably hard. It's a, a massively undervalued and underrated part of his game. He's very, very physical. I know Grandy did say I think he wasn't the best in his zone, if I remember right. I've slept since then. Uh, would you agree to that? Yeah, he's he's got a little work to do, but if you're talking about a guy who – could potentially score 15 to 20 goals um, and, you know, pile up 50 or 55 points. As long as he plays defense at a second pair level, you'll get, you know, a, a ton of value, especially for the contract that he signed. Um, and like Chase mentioned, the potential return, if the Coyotes are out of the hunt come the trade deadline, um, there's a few guys, him and Zucker, who both potentially go that route. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot to be desired in his own zone based off of his play last year, but throughout his career, he's been average defensively, but he's been well above average offensively. There's, I, I've, I've been asked by a couple of people, is the turnover thing really an issue? What Dumba does so well is he exits the zone with possession and he enters the offensive zone with possession. Um, he does those things very well, but he's asked to do them more than any other defenseman in Minnesota. Um, and you'll, you'll see turnovers. I mean, Arizona sees it with Nick Schmaltz. Nick Schmaltz is fantastic at getting into the offensive zone. But if you look at who probably leads the team at offensive blue line turnovers, I'd also be willing to guess it's Nick Schmaltz. It doesn't have anything to do with, well, he's bad at it. You know, look at this turnover number. It has everything to do with this is the guy that 
they want doing it. And the more times you try something, the more likely you are, you know, to lead a team in a negative number based on that. Just about to say that. Yep. Just about to say that. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Now, I guess I'll ask you boys this. Uh, Granny asked me a great question. Brilliant question. Yes. So he said, if we are eight points from wild card spot, do we sell Dumba, Zucker, you know, that stuff, or do you keep them? What would you say to that, Chase? If you were eight points out of a wild card spot, the trade deadline, what do you do? It's a good question. I know it's crazy, right? It was, I had to sit there and think for a minute too. I was like, "Holy crap, that was a good question." I didn't think of that. Yeah, I mean, um, it's all obviously going to depend on hypotheticals and stuff like that. But you know, if we're eight points out, I don't really see GMBA kind of you know sacrificing any of our future, you know, to acquire any talent. So um, if we're eight points out and kind of riding a little stinker of a streak or something like that I, I would definitely be on board with shipping them out and getting yeah, stuff in it. return and uh you know keeping this building process going it'll probably irritate a lot of you know like the fans and stuff like that but um you know it's it's just kind of one of those things where it's like uh you know we've committed to this process with gmba he's had this um you know direction that he's been going this entire time and i don't think he's one to abandon it and uh you know anything like that he's pretty stuck into it so um i'd say if we're you know riding a little stinker eight points back then we ship him off and we'd be happy with what we get back in return what are you Matt? i think this depends more on the player than it does the gm um let's say he's playing January well first. and we're eight points out well, so January 1st is is a key date for guys on one-year contracts because as of January 1st, they're eligible to sign an extension again. So I really think it depends on what Dumba might view his future as. Does he want to be here? Um, it, you know, if he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to sign a, a two, three, four-year deal here, um, you know, it, if you guys aren't moving me, and he's playing well that's kind of that that's a piece you keep because i think he's what 28 29 um you know you get three or four solid years out of him especially if he's on a decent contract that's a big piece to keep so i i do think there's something to what the player wants at that point um the the second thought i have is even if you're eight points out if you're eight points out and every game seems and feels close and you're eight points out but you've lost 11 games in overtime or shootouts and it it just feels like you're competitive and you're in all of them i don't think you want to destroy a locker room at that point unless the the return is is big um you're you don't really care about a 2026 first round pick because by then you expect to be a, at least competing for playoff spot. Um, at that point, you've got Simashev and Boot who have come over. Um, you've probably got Artem Duda signed, uh, Fedotov's contracts up, and you could potentially bring him over. There's You hope to have your pieces here and you're not looking – 
you know, for draft picks three years down the line. So I think somebody would have to really come correct with an offer of a prospect that's on the fringe of being NHL ready. Um, but I look at Buffalo and Ottawa and kind of what they did last year. Neither of them moved anybody out, even though they weren't going to be in the playoffs. Both teams felt like they took steps in the right direction. They were too far out, you know, to, I mean, Ottawa took a shot at Chikrin, which is fine, but I think Ottawa knew whether they made the playoffs or not, you know, what they were giving up wasn't going to be, you know, a big part of their future or, you know, mesh into their core three years later and be a finishing piece. They needed those pieces. Now, I don't think the coyotes are a finishing piece away, but I, I still don't see a scenario where you destroy a locker room that's that competitive and that close for, you know, picks, uh, especially late first round picks. So I think it's gotta be, it, it's gotta be a legitimate offer from a team on the bubble, maybe Calgary's in the same position they are this year. And, you know, you might get another late lottery pick. You consider that, but uh, you know, if a team like Colorado is calling you and you know, they're first in the division and second in the conference, and they're probably going to make a deep run, you don't move him because you're not getting back what you need. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Sounds Sounds good. Well, I guess speaking of trades, good transition here. Hope I put this banner on right. Uh, Eric Carlson to the Penguins. Be a complicated trade. Let me go ahead and pull it up. Thank you, Elliot Friedman. I'm going to go ahead and just read it verbatim what he has typed out for me here. Uh, Pittsburgh acquires defenseman Eric Carlson, forward Rem Flick, forward Dylan Hamaliuk. Hope I got that right. Sorry, butchered that. And San Jose's 2026 third round draft pick. San Jose then acquires Pittsburgh's 2024 first-round draft pick, top 10 protected. Forward, uh, Mikhail Granlund, defenseman, Jan Ruda. I hope I got that right. Hockey Jan names Ruda. Right. I thought it's okay. I was close. Okay. And forward, Mike Hoffman, Montreal, acquires Pittsburgh's 2025 second-round pick, defenseman Jeff Petrie, goaltender Casey DeSmith, and forward Nathan Laguerre. hope I also got that right. Uh, so yeah, a lot of numbers, a lot of crunching. I'm sure that was a long trade process, but I guess, boys, what do we, uh, what are we thinking? Thinking the Penguins are trying to make one last run, or is this just kind of something? Yeah, it, it's one last run for Pittsburgh. Um, I don't mind the trade for them, honestly. They, they've got Crosby under contract for a few more years. Same with Malkin. Same with Latang. Bad money is is gonna be there in Pittsburgh. They're a year or so away from a complete overhaul. Um, and you don't really care if you're carrying bad contracts at that point, because you don't necessarily need the cap space to, to sign big name free agents or, you know, these high prospects that you've drafted over the last couple of years. So I don't mind it for Pittsburgh. I think their power play is going to be unbelievably fun when you have Chris Letang and Eric Carlson on it, along with Malkin and Crosby. Um, the only question mark there might be that Brett Burns and Eric Carlson didn't do well on the power play together. Um, San Jose eventually did split them up. So we'll see how well those two mesh. Neither of them is, you know, a, a top shooter. Uh, both of them like the quarterback, the power play. So we'll see what Pittsburgh does with that. 
Um, mostly, I actually like this trade for Montreal. Um, you know, they they held on to a little bit of money, which wasn't a big deal. Um, they acquire a second-round pick, which is great for them. Jeff Petrie coming back to Montreal, I find it unbelievably ironic because he asked for a trade out of Montreal a year ago or 18 months ago. Yes, yeah, and, and he gets traded out, and now all of a sudden he's back. A lot of the trade, apparently Petrie loved Montreal. A lot of the trade had to do with COVID restrictions and his family and how they acclimated to Montreal, basically being in a lockdown situation all the time while Petrie's traveling and the United States is open and, you know, in its return to normal and his family wanted out of Montreal. So we'll see if he stays there. Uh, There's a lot of speculation that Montreal would look to flip him again for a couple more pieces. Um, Casey DeSmith, up and down type goaltender, career backup type guy. I don't think he's going to be anything overly special. But when you've got Jake Allen and Sam Montebalt, I think he could be a little bit of an upgrade there, um, potentially make them slightly more competitive and maybe take the weight off Montebalt. Jake Allen's always had some health issues. He's gotten a little older. Um, at Nathan Ligare, he's... I don't know anything about him. All I can tell you is that everything I've read has him at long shot odds to ever play in the NHL. So kind of a wash there. Um, But Pittsburgh probably did second best here. They were able to unload some horrible contracts. Um, Mikel Granlin was an awful contract. There was questions as to whether or not they'd ever be able to get rid of him. Um, as opposed to his contract being bought out, which it never ended up materializing. But great for them that they got him off the books. It does help San Jose that, you know, Mike Hoffman and Granlin both end up there because you do have two vets. The Coyotes, we saw this with Beagle, with Ladd, with Erickson, guys who are a little over the hill, not on great contracts, but they're great for some of the young guys. San Jose's got a ton of those young guys, but the return for San Jose when San Jose retained money on Eric Carlson and traded away a Norris trophy winner who put up the first hundred point season by a defenseman in like 14 years or 15 years. That's uh, an underwhelming return. You know, just they get a top 10 protected first round pick and that's it. They didn't, they didn't come up with prospects or anybody that's going to be there when the rebuild's done. Well, Chase, what you got? Yeah, I mean, obviously Carlson's the the you know <laughs> prestigious piece of this trade, um, and he gets to you know go play in Pittsburgh, which I'm sure he, he's going to be thrilled with and stuff like that. It's not you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody wants to play with Sid and. Uh, all those guys over there, Latang, Malkin, and it's definitely going to be, I think, like Matt said, one more ride for them. Um, that I Matt hit the nail on the head with the Petrie thing, because that's what I was going to bring up. It's just hilarious how it's all 
kind of playing out, but I'd expect him to probably get shipped off for something else as well. San Jose, they had terrible contracts and, you know, stuff like that. Pretty much all um, their money tied up into, you know, their little core that they had going there for a little while with uh, Carlson, uh, Burns. Uh, I think they had Evander Kane on some ridiculous contract too for a little while. So they're finally out from all that stuff. Um, and very underwhelming return though. Um, Going to be interesting to see how, you know, it all plays out um, and what that first round draft pick ends up being. Cause if it's, you know, I mean, obviously I don't expect Pittsburgh to be that low. Um, so they're probably going to get that, but you know, hockey's a crazy sport injury away from, you know, nose diving and stuff like that. So it's going to be fun to see it all play out and stuff like that. But hopefully Pittsburgh can, you know, get one more good run, but uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Um, But like Matt said, it's going to be fun watching, watching those boys play on the power play um, and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, happy for Carlson. Um, so obviously, you know, San Jose wasn't going anywhere. And, uh, so now he gets probably, you know, another shot or a better shot than, you know, he was going to have because that team, I'm not exactly sure what San Jose is doing yet, but I mean, obviously it's a rebuild, but I think that they could have probably fetched something better, but it is what it is. But that's I all I got. They on know. That, man. Yeah. You guys pretty much really added all I needed. So. For ready to move you know, on it's, to her. it's kind of but. ironic because if you compare it to the Arizona-Vancouver trade involving Ekman-Larsen, Connor Garland, and the ninth overall pick, and then bad contracts being involved, um, Arizona was basically in San Jose's spot. They got one draft pick. They gave up Ekman-Larsen. They gave up Connor Garland, um, and they took on bad contracts. And that's essentially what San Jose did here. But I just don't see a scenario where this ages well for San Jose at all. Yeah. Um, you know, the pick won't be as high. It won't. It likely won't yield a guy like Dylan Gunther. Um, Eric Carlson is going to be far more impactful in Pittsburgh than Connor Garland was in Vancouver. Um, and you know, they're Pittsburgh doesn't care that they're saddled with a bad contract, whereas Vancouver was looking to contend and compete. So I I do find it a little ironic that on paper it's similar, but it's actually going to work out the exact opposite as the Arizona Vancouver deal did a couple years ago. Which I guess to I'd say we won that trade. I mean oh hugely I mean huge Garland I mean he was almost waived I think wasn't he? I think about it. I think they were thinking about waving him or something like that. And then there there was talk about buying him out. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, buying him out. Excuse me. Yeah, then Ekman Larson. I mean, he's worse than he he's was a, in Arizona. Yeah, and he's in I, Florida you know, now. You got to look right. You got to right. look at what Armstrong has done and where those players are now in terms of trade. Um, Christian Dvorak netted a first and a second round pick. Um, the pick in the Dvorak deal, we eventually traded with a couple other picks to San Jose. Moved up to Connor Geeky. Um, and then in the second round, um, I'd have to verify which pick we used. We used, uh, the second round pick that we got from Montreal in this year's draft on, I'll look it up. Um, but in addition to that, 
Christian Dvorak right now in Montreal. If they tried to move him out, they might get a third round pick. Jeez. I mean, uh, he's he's probably better than what he's played in Montreal. Still, <laughs> bad situation there for him. Bad team, not playing well in any facet. Um, the wingers he's playing with are far worse than he had in Arizona. And I think it's just not a, not a great spot for him. Um, Connor Garland, you know, they basically gave up a, a ninth overall pick to get Connor Garland. That pick becomes Dylan Gunther right now. Somebody might give up a second and a third round pick for Connor Garland. That's nowhere near a ninth overall pick. Um, you know, when you look at what Armstrong has done with the pieces that were here on a team that was so close to the playoffs that made the playoffs in the bubble. Um, and he's kind of moved those pieces out and where those pieces are now um, and what their value is now. It's hard to say Armstrong's really lost the trade. I mean, Darcy Kemper looking like he's going downhill in Washington. That was a first round pick. That one became Maverick Lemaru. And oh, that's right, on yeah. Timmons, and unfortunately, not enough room on the blue line for Timmons. He goes to Toronto. We get Curtis Douglas. Douglas has been actually decent in Tucson. He's probably not going to be an NHLer, but you know he adds a lot to Tucson. He's a big guy. Um, it it kind of uh, guys like him free up a little space for the guys that you're trying to develop. So a useful piece there. And Connor Timmons may not be in Mon- in uh, Toronto this year. I mean, there's he's potentially going to get waived at the depth they have, and the depth they have isn't even very good. So, you know, Timmons, that trade, uh, you can call it a wash there, but you still get a first-round pick for Kemper. Um, that that second-round pick, by the way, uh, from Montreal, that's uh, uh, Michael Harabal, our, our goalie of the future. So you get... Robble and Connor Geeky out of Christian Dvorak. And you know, right now, I don't know that Montreal would get a second round pick for him. GMBA, man, that Kool-Aid. I drank it. I, I trust that guy. But I guess uh, another thing of the rebuild we are talking about, make sure I'm doing this in the right order here. Yep, sure am. Uh, we've kind of got a little bit of arena stuff going on once again. Uh, looking like we're going to go to the East Valley, Mesa. Um, trying to see. I guess John Gomador broke it. Broke this news. I suppose you want to count that. But I guess the Phoenix Business Journal also reported that the location is around Almost School Road in Loop 202. Supposedly that's where the 41 acres letter of intent was sent. There's going to be multiple per Craig Morgan. Uh, this is essentially, uh, as he said, and I think I agree with it. I think it is kind of a bit of a marketing kind of being like, hey, we're serious. You know, not just saying we're going to look for a place, but I actually do make the move and also we do find a place there as well. But I guess. Do you think Mesa is the right spot? I know Tempe obviously probably isn't going to get a second chance just due to whatever happened, but you know that maybe the Fiesta Mall location or that almost school road in 202. I mean, you guys think that's a good spot? So it seems like where we kind of need to go, right? Definitely not back to Phoenix or Glendale. That's a failure. So, Matt, what do you what do you think? So, I actually do some work where they're looking to purchase the land. Um, if I read it right, it's, it's a 41 acre parcel. Um, it's yep. basically a gravel pit owned by Johnson Stewart, which is kind of like a de facto dump site, but it's also heavy equipment repair. 
um, you know, construction equipment, storage, all of that. It, it, they basically own like 350 acres or something like that. And there's a small parcel of it up for sale. Um, the, the spot that the land is for sale at basically you're two miles east of the 101 going down the 202, the north side of the loop on the 202. So pretty central to just about everything. I mean, I, when I'm in Phoenix, I'm staying in Peoria and my drive to that area at just about any time during the day never takes me more than half an hour. That's good. Um, so coming all the way from the West Valley out there, um, you can get to that location from multiple freeways out of the East Valley, probably in, you know, the same time or less, uh, maybe a little ways from Gilbert still, but I, it's, it's about as central as it gets. And, and yeah, I do agree. There's probably intent for four or five other locations as well. Um, but the, the big deal here is it's 41 acres. I think the, the landfill in Tempe was like 42 and a half or something like that. So we're talking about, you know, the size of a, you know, one parcel for a decent size house, you know, that's all the land that's missing there. Um, or that's how much smaller it would be, um, infrastructure wise as, opposed to Tempe where it was like a one lane road in and out, um, you know, three lane road down Alma school right off the corner of the 202. You're not crossing the river or anything like that. It's, it's a pretty solid location. Um, I, I do think it, it would make a great venue or a great area. Um, university drive is down the street. Um, yeah, that's close to you. So where Mullet is now off of um, Scottsdale and um, uh, Scottsdale and University, right in that yeah, area. I think it sounds right, yeah. You're you're only about four and a half miles from where Mullet is right now. So perfect. Even though it's not in Tempe, we're we're talking about close proximity to where they wanted to build initially. So some of these, you know, I there's been a a tweet that's gone around from some Canadian betting site. I don't know why they put this out there, but it basically listed some suburbs of like Toronto, Ottawa and Vancouver and said it would be like them building there. And if you look at where those suburbs are, they're way outside the city and they're that far away. And they tried comparing that to the distance from downtown Phoenix. Yeah. I'd actually did see that. Now you mentioned, I did see something like that. Yeah. But I, what they don't seem to grasp is, it's Northwest Mesa. It's basically right at the corner of Scottsdale, Tempe, yeah, where all right of there. those meet, where all mm-hmm. three of those suburbs meet. And the East Valley is basically built on top of itself. Like it, it's growing upward while mm-hmm. you look at the West Valley and it's growing outward and it's becoming rural. Um, I'd be willing to bet there's more people that live in Mesa than live in the actual city of Phoenix and Avondale and Tolleson combined. Yeah. You know, so in that area that's are, west. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're actually right in the center of everything in that area. 
And I think Craig Morgan also said like the corporate partners and they most of the season ticket holders were out in the East Valley anyway. So, I mean, you really are building right where they live. There, so there was an article from like 2017 and I, it's been a long time since I've looked at what the actual numbers were in this article, but it, it was always something I fell back on. Um, while the coyotes were in Glendale in 2017, um, 60, I want to say it was like 65 to 70% of their lower bowl season ticket holders lived in the East Valley. I fully believe and, that. And something like 53% of their upper bowl season ticket holders lived in the East Valley. So you're talking about roughly when you break it down, 65%, maybe a little less of your season ticket holders lived in the East Valley. And I promise you there's more people in the East Valley that would buy tickets when they were out West if the stadium was closer because people getting off work at 4 o'clock, getting home, trying to get dinner, get their kids, wife, whoever in the car and get out to the West Valley, they're not making puck drop at 7 o'clock. So, you know, you're potentially losing them as season ticket holders. So the fans are out East. That's where the Coyotes need to be. Hell, I went to the Cardinals preseason game on a Friday. That was Friday. And I, I fought that traffic going to the game. I left my house at, let's see, I had to go pick up my buddy. He lives in Chandler. So I left at, God, uh, 4.30, and we were late to the 7 o'clock start just because of traffic. I, it's horrible going west. It's and, horrible. And I don't terrible. think the rest of the league doesn't realize that when they talk no. about, well, you know, you can't get anybody to go. When I say I, it takes me half an hour to go from Peoria to where this site is in Mesa, when I'm Just done traffic. at this site and trying to get home to Peoria, it takes me an hour and a half. Jesus. It's, yeah. And that's just the effect of traffic. It's the same distance, but it took me half an hour to get to work going east in the afternoon. But if I leave and I'm trying to go home at five in the afternoon from Mesa, it's an hour and a half back to Peoria. It's terrible. Which is insane. It's insane. I mean, I was, yeah, what, two and a half hours, still late. That is just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, Chase, what do you think? you think that's a good spot, or do you, you have any other where else you might? I know they talk about Eastmark. I think someone says about Eastmark, which is out by the Bellbank Park. You guys know what that is. Very East Mesa. Yeah. And then, like, the Bass Pro Shop or something was another spot. But what do you, what do you think of all this? Nah, I, I like exactly where they're, you know, got the letter of intent to buy. It's it's perfect in my mind. Um, like Matt said, you, it's accessible from many different routes, whether it's the 202, the 101, 60 to the 101, the 10 to the 101. Like, I mean, it's it touches so much of that. And, um, and that Canadian article that I also saw as well is hilarious because, I mean, our – our cities are essentially a metropolis. There is no dead land in between cities anymore. Like it has grown into one big metropolis. So, um, you know, and the stats have always said that most of the fans are over on this side anyways. So it's going to be in a perfect location. The irony in the whole thing is that it's not very far away from the proposed Tempe site. Yeah. That's the best part. Um, And so, you know, Tempe is going to, 
you know, get all that traffic. Their, yeah. And they're going to be holding their junk in their hand, wondering why, why they messed up. Why didn't exactly. they have this influx, influx of tax dollars and, you know, all this, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, unfortunate for them, but I hope this one works out. Cause I think it's perfect. Um, you know, Scottsdale Chandler, uh, you know, everything over here is, is so close. Um, so it's, it's in my eyes, it's perfect. I was excited as hell when I saw the news and saw where they were thinking about developing it. I mean, I drove by this site, you know, religiously daily for many years, even during my high school years, um, you know, just back and forth to like my Sereno soccer practices and, you know, stuff like that. And, um, it's changed a lot. I mean, Dobson and the 202, which is a mile away is a huge, um, you know, shopping area. Um, you know, ironically, there's there. a Bass Pro Shop right there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And so it's 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 awesome, man. And there, there's all sorts of stuff there. Um, and I couldn't think of a more perfect place, uh, you know, to build an arena and an entertainment district. So um, I feel like the arena, along with you know, housing or hotel or whatever that they're you know going to come up with on this particular project, is going to fit right in. Um, that area of town's getting nicer and nicer. Uh, it's not one of the areas of town that's, you know, kind of going by the wayside and, uh, you know, getting worse. It's, you know, it's getting built up because, you know, everybody's, you know, moving there and all that good Everybody. stuff. So, so many houses. And, yeah. and there's very little north of the 202 off Alma School. Uh, you know, yep. there's, there's a ton yep. of land to develop in that direction as well. So you're not just talking about, you know, what's around there now and what other attractions might you draw and everything else, but you get an entertainment district like that there mm-hmm. and you start seeing the value of land in that area grow and we'll start seeing housing develop just on the other yep. side of the Salt River right there. Uh, we'll see more shops and everything open up and it will continue to improve the neighborhood in Mesa right there. Yeah, um, agreed. Sticking with the... Though. Sticking with the arena and stuff like that, I know there's a lot of people who aren't totally clear on when there would need to be a public vote and when there's not. Um, This land is private. It's already owned by Johnson Stewart. It's zoned for multi-purpose use. Um, So I'm not 100% clear, but it sounds like there is no requirement for a zoning change. As long as Mesa does not contribute more than 1.5 million dollars to the project there is no need for a public vote either if you go back and look at the tempe proposal the 200 million dollars that was going to be issued in bonds and tax abatements and all of that that had everything to do with land remediation if morello's buying this land outright and the plans for construction and development stay exactly as they were in tempe the city of Mesa won't be putting any money into this and there is no public vote. Um, If they buy this land and decide that's where they want to develop it, this could go off without a hitch. I mean, Mesa, Mesa doesn't get a vote to say no, it's private land. Um, You know, it's multi-use zoned. That's it. I mean, the, you know, the city council could come in and say, well, we don't want you to build here. And we're going to try and enact this law and then we can send that law to a vote and everything else. But 
the the mayor of Mesa has already oh, he's already big. Said, yeah. You know, Come here. We want you in Mesa. He said, give you, you know. a call. I think, I think the day it failed, he said, give me a call on Twitter publicly. Give me a call. Yep. You know, that's, so, I mean, and my cousin works for the city and he said he, he believes the mayor would definitely be on board. He's like, he seems he's very, we've been to a couple of times, so I'll take that. So what it is, so I guess I trust like, it. So. It looks like yeah. based on this site, I, and, and if you're talking about what the land costs, you're, you're what, 1.5? Oh, eight million per acre or something like that, or 1.05 million per yeah, acre, something like that. Yeah. Something stupid low. Buy it. I mean, if if that's the site you want and they're willing to sell it to you, you know, that's prime real estate. Just go buy it. Start your construction. Again, infrastructure is great. It's already. I believe they'd have to annex into the city. Um, there's no sewer or power, you know, for a project like that. Um, but, but doable. They, I mean, that's not yeah, it's doable. I mean, so the coyotes could nothing... the coyotes could pay for that infrastructure. I mean, that uh, it's not a, a huge expense. I think it said it take thirty to sixty days, um, you know, for that infrastructure and shovels go in the ground and they can start building from there. And that's a awesome. purchase by December, January of this year would give them enough time that by twenty twenty six they could start the season there. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I mean, I think my aunt, she said if they built in Mesa, she'd probably be season ticket holder. So that's pretty great too. I mean, that's already, I mean, that's going to be huge. That's, that's a lot of people out there. So I guess before we get to my other thing, I guess I kind of should have done this a little bit better organized, but we're talking potential lines. I know I'm kind of like back and forthing it, but uh, so I guess, where do you see, I guess real quick, where do you see Dumbo fitting in before we get to the uh, other bits? Uh, he's going to be their their number one right pair defenseman. If nothing else, he's going to eat up a ton of minutes. But I I think we covered a lot of that with them. But my my big thing yeah. that I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on everything that anybody's posted on Twitter and everything that anybody's written. You know, it's a lock. It's Keller, Hayton, Schmaltz on the top line. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to break it up. Um. I'd like uh, Keller and Hayton to play with, let's go Dylan Gunther. And I'd like Schmaltz to play with Cooley. And I think, I think I'd like to see what Schmaltz can, can kind of add to mm. Cooley's game and kind of help Cooley progress. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to see Hayton come off that top line. Because I think yeah, he's developed. I, I think it's so good for his development. He's played fantastic defensively for the last couple of years. And I think the offense is finally starting to click. And I think if you take him away from what's making it work go, going into this season and it starts to taper off a little bit and he loses some of that confidence, you kind of take away what he is. If he gets another full season like he had last season playing with Keller, he could drive his own second line in the future long-term as long as he's learned to, you know, how to play the right way offensively as well. And that's what it's looking like right now playing with Keller. Um, And I think Schmaltz could offer something very similar to Logan Cooley. Um, A lot of people don't realize this, and this is just purely an analytics take. 
Um, Matias Michelli was the Coyotes' top defensive winger last year in terms of um, expected goals against. He was their top, top winger. Um, Nick Schmaltz was second. So when you're talking about sheltering a guy like Logan Cooley, but still keeping offensive weapons around him so that he can succeed in what he's best at, Matias Michelli and Nick Schmaltz on the wing with Logan Cooley makes a ton of sense. sense Yeah, now that you break it down like that, yeah, actually, I like that. Yeah, Um, I I do. I I love Lawson Krause. I I think what he brings to this team is phenomenal. I think the the energy, the physicality, you know, he's going to score 25 goals again this year. I think Krause playing with Jason Zucker and – Nick Bukestad or Jack McBain in the middle, I think it makes a lot of sense as well because you're going to get a real big center, a real big winger, and a guy who can finish what those two do in the corners so well. Um, All of that just kind of plays to what Grandy has talked about on this show so many times about uh, – and, and it usually gets brought up when we talk about should Schmaltz get traded – is spots being available for guys to play in their correct role. And I think a scenario where Hayton centers Keller and Gunther, you've got your two wingers and your center who fit that top six role playing in that position. Cooley, Michelli, and Schmaltz should all be in top six roles. Whether Schmaltz is here or not, he should be in a top six role anywhere. Yeah. Michelli showed last year he's he's ready for that role. Um, and you don't want Cooley playing third and fourth line minutes and situations. Yeah. You want him top in six. the thick oh, of yeah. it. Yeah. Because with That's certain guys, guy. with certain guys, you develop them a little bit slower. You put them in that role because they're okay at one area, but you need them to generally they're they're okay offensively, but you need them to come around on the defensive side or, you know, the, the off puck positioning or, you know, little things like that. Cooley does so many of those things so well already on offense that you're not worried about him really developing his offensive game as much as you want to see him grow a little bit defensively. You're not asking him to, to mold his entire game in his first year. So I, I like the idea of him potentially fitting into that second line role, being sheltered by Schmaltz and, and Michelli, who are both very responsible wingers. Um, and, you know, he, he at that point can kind of, I don't want to say go along at a leisurely pace, but, if he makes a mistake, you're not hoping Jason Zucker, who was terrible defensively in Pittsburgh last year, or Dylan Gunther, who has improved his own defense, but it still isn't a, a full-time NHLer who plays at a high defensive level, um, like some of the projections have had playing with Logan Cooley. I, I don't like it. I, I think they they expect a lot more out of Zucker at 32 years old than the way he's played over the last two years. And I think it's a lot to ask a Dylan Gunther. 
to yeah. also be defensively responsible at that point. Yeah. Makes sense. Jace, got anything to add? Potential lineups? I need to step away for a little bit, but. Nah, I don't, man. I mean, Matt pretty much covered it all. Um, I I do like his, yeah, I do like his idea of splitting up that top line. Um, But I guess I'll reserve judgment until we start seeing some preseason games. Yeah, I'm sure, sure, you know, some tinkering will happen. Yeah, I mean, the reality is lines never stay together an entire season. There's injuries, there's poor chemistry, there's slumps, there's a million reasons that lines change and get split up you know throughout the year um but when you talk about lines generally it's pairings it's two guys that you keep together all the time and you can kind of interchange pieces from there um to me it's hayton and keller and it should be cooley and schmaltz and from there you know you can move michelli around keller can move to right wing michelli can move up to that top line play the left side um you know gunther He's, he can play the left or right side. You move him down to that second line with Schmaltz and Cooley. Um, you move him down to the third line, move Kraus up to the left wing on that second line, let Kraus play with Cooley and Schmaltz with Michelli up top. Tons of things you can do. But I think throughout the season, I would like to see Hayton and Keller staying together as opposed to Keller and Schmaltz. And I think Cooley and Schmaltz staying together would be a big move. Yes, yeah. I'll see what training camp, but yeah, sounds good to me. I know, I think PHNX kept Schmaltz, Keller, and Hayden together. I think. Everybody I'm, has. My head. Everybody yeah, I'm pretty has. sure. I yeah. Seen anybody break that lineup. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, well, and for good reason. I mean, I'm not saying this because be I think it would make everybody more. Yeah, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I'm not saying that everybody's going to get more productive if they split up. Of course. Up. Yeah. Um, I, at one point, um, and again, this is completely analytically speaking expected goals for uh keller hate and schmaltz were like a top 12 line in the league so that's that's really really hard and and of course it's all numbers too yeah and if if you go to a minimum of like 500 minutes they're in the top 10 i mean that that's how good that line clicked together but i i think as much as you want to be competitive you still have to look at the fact that the guys that are going to be here long-term are still under the age of 25 and you still have to put them in the right position to develop correctly. You're not, I mean, if you make playoffs, that's fantastic. That's unbelievable experience for these guys at such a young age. And that, that means exponential growth for them, but that's not necessarily your goal right now. Your goal is to develop these guys into NHL players. And I think that's the best way to do it while being competitive. I definitely agree. I guess we'll see when training camp starts up but real quick before we get on to the final topic and my question of the week, please be sure to check out into the ring slash ESPN, get you hooked up with ESPN plus and catch all the NHL games with us. We'll be probably doing some live reactions to them, but definitely watching them. So be sure to check that out. Also lots and lots of articles by Grandy. He works tirelessly. Give that guy some love on that website. And now on to Another topic, which I think I went to the backs game tonight, so I look so tired, exhausted, actually. Uh, it was the 25th anniversary. You had a bunch of, you know, hey, remember how good we used to be? Uh, they also gave away. Did, did uh, I see they wore the the white vest? They did. Yep. They had them. Yep. And they gave Those away a replica. 
Oh my god! So those beautiful. Were, they the, looked. They're beautiful. one of the best jerseys oh, yeah. in baseball history. Maybe even sports history. I think they, that's I, a, they, sports I don't history know. might I, be a stretch, but I mean the the purple and sports green history. and and the fact yeah. that like everybody's always had like pinstripe, mm-hmm. you know, all all throughout the sleeves and everything else when they go pinstripes, gorgeous. And they went with a solid purple sleeve and they went with a vest. Yeah, you know that's. They look good That's something too. Baseball never had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like most baseball jerseys are super unimaginative. Yeah. The the Cubs have their Wrigleyville jerseys, which are like City that. Connects. Yeah, they're they're like that um, dark blue, and then everything mm-hmm. else is like that light powder blue, and they got the actual Cub logo on the helmet. And they look the, nice. I like the, the Wrigleyvilles. They look, they look pretty cool. Um, Serpientes for the D backs, the tan yeah, with the black I mean, letter markings. That's cool too. There's a few teams that have some unique jerseys, but baseball as a whole, like yeah, they lack pretty, style. Yeah, but I mean, just a white shirt with Red Sox across. I mean, that's been yeah. that for what sixty years. I mean, I mean the the Chicago White Sox, they've either got like a gray with black lettering or a black oh, yeah. with gray lettering, and it yeah, just says much. Sox. I mean, yeah, that that's boring. I yeah. I know what your team name is. Uh, do something unique with it. I yep. mean, style it somehow. You know, the, yeah, and those, the those best jerseys, there's so many different combinations beautiful. that came up with too, with the blacks and, yeah. you know, the aways and stuff like that. It was fire. Yeah, they had a gray one too, didn't they? They had a gray vest too, yep. I think, right? And yep. they had the purple sleeves still. Yeah, they gave away a replica. They didn't have the, the vest, but they had like the purple sleeves. I got one. They're, they're pretty sweet. Um, so that got me thinking. When we do get this new fancy arena, or even maybe at Mullet, what are some of the best giveaways the Coyotes could do? I mean, obviously, you know, bobbleheads are always a great one, but what, what do you like to see? What what unique ones have you gotten or seen that you think, or even just new ideas that you think would be sweet? So, I personally, like to see like um, I'm a huge fan of the original green retro Kachina jersey, so I'd like to see a T-shirt based around oh, that'd be that. Cool, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that's the only one that kind of comes to like the forefront of my mind right now. But I'd have to think some more on that. But that that for sure, because that jersey is still so sweet. So we're we're coming up on thirty years in the desert. Um and and again that I love that Kachina um mm-hmm. as a third jersey. Taking Chase's idea a little farther, um, one of those shirts where it's like divided into sections all the way across and each section is a different Jersey. Mm. Um, going back 30 years, the white, China, cool. black, China, green one, um, the red and white jerseys with the howling heads, running follow, the running coyote, the reverse retro jerseys that we've had, yeah. the Arizona Knights Jersey, um, you know, and just, just, a an equal section across a shirt that represents, you know, 30 years of the Coyotes history. That would be kind of cool. Um, yeah. Thinking about like fan night and stuff like that. Some of the things that they give away on fan night are, are awesome. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of big things. You can't necessarily give them away all the time, but um, you know, uh, some fan will win a, a signed player use stick and another cool. fan yeah. will win, you know, a signed Jersey and, I know it's not it's so much to the, the spirit of your question, like what giveaway would you like to see everybody no, yeah, get? Yeah. But I wouldn't mind seeing more of these, 
those type of giveaways. Uh, um, uh, you know, even like side right pucks. Now, yeah, I mean, as of right now, we see a lot of like the in this Taco Bell quiz thing, whatever. You can win oh, yeah. a twenty dollar Taco Bell gift card. Well, does anybody want to trade that gift card for a puck? I mean, I would. Like, you know, let's. I, I'd like to see teams give away more hockey related stuff. And I know they're making money off of this sponsored stuff, but how about yeah. the you get a puck and a Taco Bell gift card? There we go. I mean, I involve. Involve the players, give them, you know, you see all these kids on, on jumbotrons, you know, playing these games and stuff like that. Give them hockey memorabilia. That's going to keep them engaged as a fan. And that they're going to grow with that to me. Those are the giveaways that I want to see. Those are the ones that I think are very important to growing the game in Arizona. If you go to Toronto, it's totally different. I mean, you can give away anything you want. You're not changing. You're not, you're not, going to engage some new fan at that. Yeah, they're going to like hockey regardless, I think, at that point. Yeah, that market's pretty saturated. But out here, I'd like to see them tailor some giveaways towards, you know, involving more personal stuff for hockey. Um, You know, like, the one of the coolest things would be, like, if the team gave away, and this would be an unsponsored thing, because I don't think they'd, they'd come out and do it, but Here's a $50 gift certificate to behind the mask. Go buy some hockey equipment. There you go. Get get people playing. And I'm not saying you'd give it to everybody that walks through the door, but you know, if you give away a hundred bucks worth of gift certificates and behind the mask is willing to to cover a third of that since their name's being used or whatever, but you're getting kids to go buy hockey equipment. Smart. Yeah, I like the way you I like the, your thought that's process the best on that. Yeah. You can you can have I see. You're more for sentiment rather than just some little toy or some yeah, little t-shirt you know, or like something. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I like that. Make mm-hmm. your giveaways something that grow the game. And Smart. the reality is, as a a future parent here, if I'm watching a team give away something to behind the mask, and I'm like, huh, they're growing the game. They're getting that kid to, to go buy some skates or go buy a new hockey stick or something like that. I'm like, I should stop by there and see what they might have for my kid. There you go. That's a good like way to look that's, at. That's a really that's, yeah. That's a giveaway that like grows the game, and I think that's I thought important. of that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah, it's really good. Right. Hmm. What about you, Chase? You got any ideas? I have a couple. If you need more time. Nah, not really. Just the the t-shirts. Um, obviously, um, I mean, even you know, if it's like those dinky little mini sticks that you know we used to play with oh, as yeah. kids oh that, those were so like, cool when i was a kid those are really cool yeah. i have a couple of those yeah. those at like my brother or something like oh, that yeah, just, oh, was oh, yeah. i was trying to hit the ball yeah <laughs> <laughs> mr potato head at a card game once right in the head <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah just the yeah. t-shirt and like the, the mini sticks um obviously you know it's it's not gonna grow the game on like that particular level or anything like that but i had so many countless hours of fun with those little plastic mini sticks that we used to get and just whack my sister in the shins with them fire some pucks those kind of fit into the yeah i'd say so i mean kids that get those mini sticks at games they're not going home and hanging them on their wall they're like oh i should get something to hit with this and and they're Mm -hmm. they're in their living room on their knees hitting a tennis ball or whatever i still think that that goes into growing the game. Yeah, I'd so say so. That, I think that would fit in as um, like where I couldn't come up with something that was a giveaway for everybody. And I was looking at how do you grow the game with individual giveaways? That's the yeah. one that you give out 
everybody. three times a year mm-hmm. to everybody. And yeah, Arizona Knights one, one, have a Kachina one, yeah. running Coyote or whatever one, like a throwback 90s one or whatever. Yeah. Easy to make. I'm sure it doesn't cost that much to make those. I mean, they, to... they've given away like scarves and gloves and shit like that. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at that retail in the Coyote store, it costs the same as a mini stick. So uh, yeah, true. I, if they're selling it for the same price, you got to imagine it's that the manufacturing yeah. cost has got to be close Probably. to the same. What I liked is the D-backs did it uh, maybe last year before. I don't remember. Uh, they this. gave away mini bats, didn't they? Yeah, they have before, not this year. I know they obviously did bobbleheads, but there's one they did, like I said, a couple of years ago. It was Chase Field, but it was a Haboob snow globe. So when he shook it, it had like brown flakes instead <laughs> of like white. I think that is one of the most clever giveaways ever. I mean, you, and I know they did it again this year with it has like Luke Skywalker and a sand speeder. I mean, it's not the same. It, it's a Haboob globe, but nothing cool as seeing Chase Field with a, that makes sense. That's perfect. Like yeah. you can do, I don't, I don't know, or whatever. You could do that with hockey, though. I think, yeah, that would be I like- mean. There, there'd actually be some hockey purists that would be really pissed off about that. But it'd be beautiful at the same time. That's because I mean, Arizona, yeah, I mean, we're doing that as it is. I mean, that's our kind of our brand at this yeah, point. I, mean, I, is get, kind of I guess, like, off. if I found somebody on Twitter that like absolutely could not stand them, I'd get their address and mail them one. Yeah, a haboob glow just with a like mulberry. Yeah, just yep. to remind them mm-hmm. that like we don't get snow, we get dust. Yep, and I mean, I think that's really cool. I think uh, the Shane Doan gnome was really unique because it wasn't just like a ball; it was a, a gnome, yeah, a fucking gnome. gnome. That's we. I have one. It's on my my nightstand or whatever. Then also the the cowboy Shane Doan was cool because you know he's a rancher. So I mean, something to tie in than just a normal bobblehead. Like, oh yeah, it's Clayton Keller in a in a coyote's you know, you know suit up or whatever. But like, if you give him you know Clayton Keller, I don't know the Jake Lamb when they did a couple of years back, that was really cool too. Uh, when he's in the uh, the the uh, Coyotes jersey with the baseball bat. I mean, that's unique. Yeah. The Obas one coyote. I mean, there's a lot of ones that I did really well with, but I would love like a boop globe or I mean, like you said, I mean, the behind the mask, that's really good too. Um, or even like a I don't like give away a hat. My aunt got it for me. She went to a game, has like a howler head. You put it on, you can like tie it and stuff. It's like a howler head. I love that damn thing. But something like that. Yeah, I or see more or stuff even like that. something that like involved the junior coyotes or uh, there you like go. The junior sun devils or the junior, junior puck. Wildcats. Maybe like a five dollar yeah, junior yeah. puck and then they they get money for their fund rate. That'd be cool too. I'd pay five yeah, you for know, a damn like junior you, you kid get, puck. Yeah. Yeah, send a little bit of money to the, yeah. the program. They get to feel like a rock star. They get to feel like yeah. a professional player signing the you know, that'd be sweet. That's something but you can do too. Yeah. But how many parents, you know, they enjoy the game enough to go to the game, but they don't realize that those programs exist. The little howlers. I mean, that's a good, yeah, yeah, you got some good ideas. You know, like, marketing department. There's, there's a lot of fans that, you know, might be more on the casual side of things that maybe can't quite get their kids into hockey from a financial standpoint. And there's tons of programs that the coyotes have that give away equipment, you know, for a hundred bucks, you get skates, a stick, gloves, yeah. whatever. The coyotes have been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, and they promote it in house at the games and whatever, but give somebody something physical, tangible that I got one. has that logo on it, you know, that says little howlers on it or junior coyotes or whatever to take home. So they remember the name of the program. Oh, I got one. The coyotes sponsor the, the coyotes display at the Phoenix Zoo. They have like a little howler and it says, Oh, did you know coyotes live, whatever, whatever? Do that at a, either a game or the Phoenix Zoo vice versa both whatever give away like a little puck or like hey coyotes facts you can be a coyote too by joining the junior coyotes take a little slip yeah. i mean that's that's uh, coyotes the marketing department 
hey, if you're watching, man, you can go ahead and take these. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they've done such a great job of growing the game. I don't want this segment mm -hmm. to sound like they're not doing enough. Oh, they um, definitely are. U oh, yeah. USA hockey registration in Arizona is like leading the country in year over year percentage of new enrollment. Um, yep. The Coyotes are doing so much to grow the game, Huge. but I, I think there's so much potential for more. Um, Arizona's or Tucson's getting three sheets of ice um, should open in the next couple of years. Oh, that's awesome. That's big because right now Huge. the TCC is all we have. Uh, one sheet will be dedicated to the U of A. One sheet will be um, hockey, figure skating, and there will be a public sheet. So Sweet. that that's huge. And yeah, this is a, a whole market. And and I'm I'm part of the hockey community down here. And you've got I don't know four or five hundred people that play uh, out of a city of what a million people, something like that. Yeah, a little over a million, like I think. Yeah, yeah a little over a million. I mean the the whole issue that we have here is there's one sheet of ice. The cost of ice time is ridiculous. There's an entire untapped market down here yeah. and we're about to have ice. So get your, your program together and get the program down here and start advertising that even at coyotes games, because there's, there's plenty of people that come up from Tucson to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Hour drive. It's not too bad. yeah that, well, I did it for half, two hours. Oh, yeah. uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. advertise it at Coyotes games, Roadrunners games, you know, and and make those giveaways something that is going to keep that fresh in people's minds. Because I, I think a big thing is you can announce it once or twice at a game, but you're so as a fan caught up in the excitement of the game that I most of the time I can't tell you the name of the in arena host as opposed to what games they played that night, what happened during the intermissions, because all I'm taking away from the game when I leave is the game itself, unless somebody put something in my hands when I walk through the door. Then I remember that. Hmm. It's pretty good. It's good I point. like these ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that it didn't go the way I wanted. Yeah, that was, that was good. Yeah, that, was, that was awesome. All right. So you have time for my question of the week, you think? Yeah, should take let's do long. it. Well, in honor of the 25th anniversary night of our beloved D-backs, great time. Just was kind of sad seeing how fast our uh, history collapsed there. But I thought, why not bring back a coyote throughout our history into today's team, assuming they're prime. You can pick whoever you want. As long as they have worn a coyote jersey and played a professional NHL game, we are good to go. You add whatever position you want, as long as like I said, as long as they wore the suit and they they played for us one game, you can add them to this current lineup. So no Pavel Datsuk, no Marion Hosa. I'm gonna go last. Okay, I'm Chase. Last. Uh, I'm just gonna go with him because he's my favorite player. He's the player that got me into Coyotes hockey when we first came here in '96. So I'm gonna go original Captain Coyote, Big Walt. Power, power forward, power winger, have nice scoring touch, was still able to, you know, stick up for guys. Um, and just awesome, awesome player. I loved watching him play. Um, I was going to kind of touch on somebody else, but just in case, uh, you know, it's one of your guys' picks, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hold off on that. But uh, Cap the original Captain Coyote, um, yeah. My dad used to call him up Chuck and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I was like, no, dad, it's Kachuk, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Such a dad but, way of saying it, too. Very much yeah. a dad. 
Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, he made me fall in love with hockey. So I'm going to go with him because, you know, he put up points. He put in some penalty minutes and all the good stuff and was a great leader. So um, I'd have to go him on that. Do you still give him the C or do you give it to somebody else on the team? If he's, oh, yeah. He'd, you know, have, he'd have the you C. Still give the C? Okay. Uh, mine, I think I'm going to go with Keith Yandel. I think uh, defense could use it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Keith Yandel. I loved him that 2012 run, obviously, in the years following. So, yeah, I think Keith the end will be my pick. I think we have enough room on the defense for him. So, Matt, are you ready? I am, and and I'm still struggling with this one because – I'll give you two if you need to. You can have yeah, multiple. I, I, actually have, I actually have two guys here. Okay, um, let's do it. I'll give you two. Well, in their prime, 86 goals in one season, Brett Hall. Okay. He played. He played five yep. games as a that Coyote counts. in two thousand five, two thousand six. That counts. Um, so that counts. Brett Hall would probably be the yeah, number one guy. The other guy, and and this would be somebody that actually played, you know, a full season here. Mike Gartner. Um, oh yeah. He he had a pretty long career. I want to say he played like twenty three seasons or something like that. Something stupid. Um, but. He's one of like six guys or seven guys in the 700 goal club. He scored 708 career goals and he only scored 50 goals once, wow. which blows my mind. He had 50 goals yeah. in Washington in 1985. Outside of that, never scored 50 again, had 45, 49, 48. Got close. Uh, wow. Plenty of 40 goal seasons. Uh, total career years, 19 years in the NHL, played two years in Phoenix. He had 44 goals for us in 142 games. Um, but I, he's not one that you look at and go, man, you know, in his prime, I would, I would take him. He's that guy that you're like, man, Shane Doan throughout his career was here the entire time. If Mike Gartner was here the entire time, our history would be different. Not because... Mike Gartner would have done all the same things off the ice that Shane Doan did, but his production on the ice would have made the team a lot more competitive when they were in the playoffs consistently early on in, in the franchise's infancy. So I think that would have been a big deal, but yeah, right now, would I like Mike Gartner to play here for the next 15 years with the core that they're building? Absolutely. Good choices. Yeah. Those are really good choices. All right. But thank you. But for one or two seasons, Brett Hall, no question. Yeah, that definitely counts. Yeah, that definitely counts. So, all right. Well, thank you, boys, for answering my question of the week. And is there anything else before we let these fine folks go about their days? You want to add? No, I I'm not sure we'll all be here next week. I think um, I think I've got some stuff going on Saturday. There's not a lot going on NHL mm-hmm. talk wise, um, so we'll have to see. But. Either way, I'm really, really looking forward to training camp, to the the rookie tournament, and to actually getting back to talking hockey in September. Yep, having stuff to talk about. Yep. Yeah, this was. Uh, we're definitely kind of <laughs> getting to that barrel. Thank God for the Mesa news. <laughs> yeah, God. I mean we we haven't done like a. You, I know you and Grandy did like a fireside after the Dumba signing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We haven't done a full show in like two weeks or two and a half weeks, and. Yeah. So. Our shows during the season ran almost two hours and we're yeah. at an hour and 11, 11 minutes, minutes. Yeah. And we are out of material. Like yeah. out. I mean, like nothing just, to add. Like 
I, and that that included thirty minutes on Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson and, yeah, so I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's just not. It's it's a terrible time of the year to be talking about hockey yeah. because there's all of the things you can talk about have really already been said. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, outside of this Mesa thing, I think that was really, I mean, <laughs> that's really all we had. I mean, so, the, the the good thing new, for Coyotes fans is Canadians will always look for something to to talk bad about the team for, that's so we true. can get on the show and talk about, hey, yeah. you know, these guys are saying this, and this is why that's <laughs> true. But that's true, you know. But outside of that, I mean, not going to be a lot of team related stuff. Now, I remember. Th- the Coyotes put something on Twitter that said big news coming this week. Oh, they did. Yeah, that's right. They did say that. That's Are we right. assuming that the letter of intent was it? Because I never actually saw the official page. That's right. The official page never actually retweeted anything, though. It was their PR department. Oh, that yeah. Retweeted it. <laughs> I guess that and, was it. Yeah. And Gambo broke the news the same day. And the Coyotes said big news coming later this week. It's Saturday, so, so I mean, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if there's still something to come. And and me and a group of admins from the Facebook page, we're talking about like what it could possibly be. This is the time of year where new merch comes out mm. for a lot of teams. That's so true. I'm kind of yeah. wondering if we're gonna get. I mean, I know there's no new jerseys because Fanatics is taking over for Adidas, and you know, to get them up to speed and caught up, teams aren't yeah, going to be right. Yeah, it's it's, not. <laughs> it's it's embarrassing. Oh god! god. god. But oh, either boy. way, like they're to let them get up to speed, there won't be anything new implemented by teams this year that they haven't already ran in the past. So, won't be anything new with a jersey. But I, it makes me wonder if maybe we get a new logo on a hat, if we get some kind of new color scheme yeah, on maybe you know, on a shirt or something like that. Or more of that collection. I know they did like a streetwear collection, maybe more yeah. of that, maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe something along those lines. That's Stuff's that expensive, to me by the is kind of what I, you know, it, it never really appealed to me. Yeah, same. It's too so simplistic So I, I never me, really looked into it. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is the time of year where I feel like we might see something like that. Maybe they were a little premature. Uh, we know maybe. Andre Ternier was in talks with the coyotes about a contract extension. Yeah. We heard I was going to put that close. until next or whenever it happened. So I was like, I almost put that on yeah, here. So I, I was mean, like, that, there's a whole lot going on. So I was like, but, uh, I mean, but you know what? I mean, we don't have anything more than, yeah, there's reports that the coyotes and Ternier are close. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe we'll reports get on Mesa. I mean, that's really it. Yeah, I mean, there's I, nothing, but, but I haven't actually seen anything from the Arizona coyotes official Twitter. Some players got married. I know. Um, Couple, yeah, I mean, congratulations to them. Yeah, congratulations but to them, of course. Yeah, but that's really. I can't it. imagine that was the Coyotes' big news. I don't think we needed to cover that on the podcast. I think that was. Uh, I mean, congratulations to him again, but um, yeah, I think that was. So yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, it is Saturday at eleven o'clock, so I don't know when they plan. What later in the week? How much more later in the week you can get? I mean, I mean, it's it's still Coyotes-related news. Kerfoot just turned twenty-nine a couple days ago. Oh, there we go. Dude, that was it. He's an old man like I mean, me now. Yeah, I mean, I, other than that, I don't know. And the only reason I know that is, is Grandy wrote his article, and I was yeah. reading the article, and I was like, yeah. oh, hey, Kerfoot's about to be 29. Yep. That's interesting. I mean, yep. 
and then he wrote his article on the uh, temp or the Mesa deal. Excuse me, Mesa deal. Uh, I guess we can announce the Chirpin Yotes, the official podcast of the Arizona Coyotes. I don't know. Maybe that's the announcement. They haven't told us yet, though. <laughs> hey, by the way, you guys, the official I, I think pop, that, might, but... that might piss off Craig Morgan, but um... yeah, I don't know. Oh, can you imagine? Oh boy. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess if that's it, boys, uh, we'll probably see you guys next week. I, I imagine we'll try and cope with something. I mean, I know I had some kind of redraft plan that I had to get scrapped, but I mean, outside of like things like that, I don't, uh, unless some breaks, I think we're might have to take a, I don't know. Might, might be two weeks. We'll, we'll, have yeah, to we'll definitely get something out there. Yeah. So I, you'll, for our, our few listeners that we do have, our loyal ones, we'll have something out before, again, before the end of August. For sure. Um, yeah. But, you know, no, no timeline on the next one. And we're sorry if we don't have a yeah. bunch of new stuff to talk about with you guys. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the Mesa thing was really the biggest. After that, I was like, uh, how about giveaways? <laughs> how about, uh, um... I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe some of these Russians will start defecting and we'll be breaking we news that Simashev and Boot and, yeah, and uh, Fedotov all signed with the Coyotes, and they've got to figure out what to do to make room for That'd them. That'd be wild. Can you imagine <laughs> that? <laughs> hey, I'm coming to play for you now. Oh, uh, well. Um, hey, Dumbo, Dumbo, you know that uh, deal you just signed? Yeah, Dumbo, <laughs> the ink is not dry. Let me go ahead and just wipe that off real quick. Wipe how, it out. How do you feel about playing in Minnesota again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go back. We'll put you in a loan deal. We can talk about uh, the Caicedo signing that just happened about 30 minutes ago. We can talk about that. We'll uh we'll have to do a little research to uh <laughs> yeah. actually discuss that because he's gonna I, hear that and be like that know. son of a bitch he put Chelsea football in this podcast how does he keep doing this I'm like, I'll find yeah. a way Grandy I find a way every podcast now I officially know it's go blue. football go Blues yeah it is it starts tomorrow eight thirty I'm getting up to watch that game so no I meant that that player or whatever name you just said had to do yeah Caicedo <laughs> yeah Moises Caicedo from Ecuador that's cool is he good. It's fantastic. And Liverpool's a whole bunch of drama now because Liverpool tried to sign him. He said, no, I'm waiting for Chelsea. So now they're pissed at Chelsea. Chelsea just signed him for a record 115 million pounds, which is a lot of money in America. And I have no idea. Yeah, it's uh, like 240 million US. Holy fuck. So, yeah, I mean, the price of Kyler Murray's contract to sign one guy. Uh, so, yeah, he'll be on the field tomorrow. We play Liverpool. So the drama's exploding. I love the Premier League so much. NHL and Premier League are my loves of my life. So. But I think with that, as Grandy is probably going to be texting what, me when he hears this NHL part of the podcast. Player, what NHL player has done that in recent memory? Like, I'll only sign with this team. Oh, didn't uh, some guy got drafted? He didn't want to play for them. Who was so, that? So, I mean, there was Adam Fox. That That's what it was. was you know, he, he signed in New York because, yeah. you know, he didn't really want to play anywhere else. But I mean, like, a big UFA that was like, I'm going to retire or I'll play for this team. I know or Beal kind of did that. Like, I think you know, Beal for I'll the Suns. To, I'll go play in Russia or I'll go play in Europe or something like that unless this team wants me. Hmm. Like I said, I think Bradley Beal did kind of like that for the Suns, right, Chase? I think he did something similar to that. He's like, I'm only playing – you can trade me to them and that's it, right? Because he has like a super powerful yeah. trade clause or something like that. Yeah, the only the only full no trade clause in the NBA, uh, and yeah. I don't think there's going to be another one after that because of that. yeah, after that, so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't. I can't maybe think of maybe one. Ilya Kovalchuk. I mean, didn't when he came back and and signed with um oh the Devils, didn't they get in trouble for that or something well, like? Yeah, that a whole big deal because he decided he was going to go back to Russia, and then he said, 
I'll make an NHL comeback if what was it if Montreal or if LA is willing to sign me. But that was it. Otherwise, he was going to stay in Russia. That's right. And I think Montreal ended up signing him for something like uh, yeah. Sounds vaguely familiar to LA or something. Um. Something, yeah. yeah. But I yeah, I, I mean, there, there's guys like Krejci who are like, I'm either going to sign with the Bruins or I'm going to retire. Or yeah. Bergeron, you know, like, yeah, they've been there the whole career. They're not, they, they haven't bounced around the league and they're like, if this team wants me, I'll come and do it. And they're in their prime. Yeah, because this guy you isn't, know. yeah. I mean, yeah, he's I mean, 24, so maybe even younger than that. I mean, maybe Mitchkov just did it. Like I'm not. Oh I'm not yeah, for that's kind of a good. Teams, yeah, but I'll go yeah. play for Philly. You know, maybe that's similar. I guess so. Well, because I think I think it's because the way Premier League's offseason works or free agency works. I mean, you can kind of even if you have a contract here, say you sign for Arizona eight years, Philadelphia can be like, hey, I'll you know, you want to play for us? We'll meet you personal terms. Like, hey, you're going to be our guaranteed, you know, first line pairing, whatever, whatever. You agree to their terms, they just buy you from the Coyotes your entire contract. You just come right over. There's no like trade. No, so they give money. that other team that money and yep. then they pay you. Man, yep. so so you buy anybody somebody, you want. So you buy somebody for two hundred million a year, but you also have to pay the the team that you just. No, you just pay that from. fee. So like, say like like this thing. So Caicedo plays for Brighton. Brighton's like so. Chelsea's like, hey, I'll give you ninety million. They say no. He's not. He's worth more than that to us. Okay, um, but he gets a personal term. So he's like, I want to play for Chelsea. So now. They got to find a way to. It's basically a negotiation table now. It's like, okay, we want to get 110 shit. out of Chelsea. There's How do we cat, do it? There's a cat in my backyard. Huh. I don't own a cat. <laughs> oh, boy. And I have two dogs. I'm going to have to go, guys. All right. Well, then I guess we'll call it here. Uh, from all of us here at Trippin' Notes, have a good week. See you soon. See you guys.